word of warning that this podcast contains swears and use of explicit sexual language. Therefore, it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 18 or anyone who thinks a finger bang is some kind of firework. I'm ahead of the game. Welcome back to the Smut Drop. This is your weekly roundup to the more eccentric side of sex and relationships from metro.co.uk. I'm Miranda Kane, and on this week's show, I'll be looking at the secret single supermarket dating code, speaking to Megan Lambert about orgasmic meditation, and I'll be reading your smut filled listeners' stories and dating dilemmas. If you like what you hear, then please rate, review, or just subscribe. And I hope you're ready because I am about to put something unexpected in your bagging area. Hello, 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 dear listener. Okay, quick question. What do you think your shopping basket says about you? Because I know, I know that mine says that I'm going to feed my cat whilst having a glass of Pinot. (laughs) Unless I'm in Lidl, of course, in which case I could be, I don't know, redecorating my kitchen, building a house, riding a horse, anything is possible in that aisle. But apparently there is a secret code you can use to indicate what kind of fresh produce you'd actually like to go home with. The secret supermarket dating code involves arranging different types of fruit in certain ways. Uh, So it's a bit like the handkerchief code, you know, back in the day for the LGBTQ community. Now, some say that having bananas facing up to the ceiling in your shopping trolley is supposed to indicate that you're single and an upside down pineapple shows that you're a swinger looking for another couple. What is it about pineapples? (laughs) Pineapples are supposed to mean all sorts in the swinging community, she says on a podcast produced by Pineapple Audio. Uh, Also, putting a peach in someone else's trolley says that you're interested in them. Look, I don't know about you, but if someone put a peach in my trolley, I think they were looking for a short, sharp visit from the slap fairy. Come on, are supermarkets really full of people flinging peaches around? And also, we need to update it to include the aubergines, surely? So look... I think it's a bit of an urban myth and users on Reddit reckon it started around 20 years ago where a single banana prominently displayed meant that you were single. Now, look, I remember 20 years ago and that was long before internet dating or any kind of dating apps. That was all a bit shady and a bit looked down on. So instead, we were looking for love in all the wrong places. Like there were so many TV shows and films where people were were falling falling in love in the middle of the supermarket aisle or they were scouring bookshops looking for their perfect manic pixie dream girl. So yes, I have no doubt that there was some kind of secret supermarket code back in the day. But actually, according to YouGov, only 15% of people have met their current or their most recent partners by chance whilst they were, in quotation marks, out and about. Now, out and about is a very broad church and that could mean whilst they were clubbing at a pub or or indeed if they were internet dating and just didn't want to say it. I think you've got a much better chance if you just start a conversation with someone rather than lobbing random bits of fruit into each other's baskets. 
save that one for the bedroom. Now, look, if you want to know more about the supermarket code, then head over to the metro.co.uk and look for the article looking for love down the shops. And if you thought gagging for it over your groceries has hit the spot, then you're going to love my bean flicking chat with this week's guest. Ladies and gentlemen, gays and nays. Now, I'm obviously going to be drawn to anything with orgasm in the name, including orgasmic meditation. But after watching the recent Netflix documentary Orgasm Inc., I have questions. Fortunately, here to chat to me about her experience with One Taste, the in quotation marks, cult that started the practice of OM is someone who spent four years inside the company and even still uses some of the practices in her own work as intimacy expert, relationship expert, author and podcast host. It's Megan Lambert. Hello, Megan. Hello. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm so excited you're here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here as well. Good. So, okay, let's crack straight on orgasm meditation. What is it? Please explain. And what are the benefits? Sure. So orgasmic meditation is a 15-minute partnered practice that brings the power of mindfulness and sexuality together. And so the way, what it actually looks like is one person, man or woman or non-binary, strokes a woman's clitoris for 15 minutes with no goal except to feel. Okay. And the benefits are amazing. Like it woke up my body. It turned on my sexuality. It helped me um, develop my attention, my ability to stay present and in the moment. So many benefits. Um, I can go on and on, but we'll start there. But where do the benefits come from? Because I think as a woman, we're kind of trained to feel like, well, if someone's stroking my clitoris or if I'm stroking my clitoris, then the benefit is that I climax and I have a nice time doing it. And that's about it. So where do all these other magical benefits come from? Well, the first one comes exactly from what you were talking about of having the goal not be climax, because that's profound for many people. A lot of women start sexuality and it's like, okay, he or she wants me to climax. I have to. So they already start putting this pressure on their body. Whereas in OM, it's 15 minutes. There's no goal to climax. The only goal, you can climax if that's a natural reaction of your body, but there's no goal except to feel what sensations arise. And so that already takes some of the pressure off and creates more space for curiosity and experimentation and wondering what will happen. So that's one goal. I will say the other one too, is that because it is just focused on the woman, that it's a chance for her to fully focus on her own body and on receiving. Whereas so many women, when they start to be intimate with the partner, they feel like, okay, my partner goes down on me. Now I have to go down on them. There's automatically this feeling of commerce built in. And so a lot of women struggle to receive, to just lay back and focus entirely on their body and their sensations. So this is a practice that uh, bends the paper the other way, so to speak. If we're so used to giving and focusing on our partner, this is all about us. See, now I would think that a lot of people, there's two sides of the coin here, because as some women would be like, but it's masturbation. I do that all the time and it's, it's done and it's fine. But then there's the other side where it's like, but 
But when do we give ourselves actually 15 minutes? When do we go, right, you know, when do we actually time it and say, this is 15 minutes out of our day, as many times as you want, you know, whenever you want, uh, rather than, you know, it, it, it sort of feels like you're giving yourself permission to just not do anything within those 15 minutes, which doesn't sound long to an interloper. <laughs> but... <laughs> When you are used to the fact that, hey, masturbating, rubbing your clitoris is just about coming and I'm just going to get it done because I'm a bit stressed and I've got shit to do. Let's get on and do it. Actually giving yourself 15 minutes is quite a long time. It is. It is a long time. And I think, too, one of the big questions, one of the big things that differentiates it from masturbation is you can only do it with a partner. So masturbation and self-pleasure is amazing. And I love that. I teach that in my programs, too. But Orgasmic meditation is just with a partner. Mm. And that's really powerful for a few reasons. One is that you and your partner get synced up. So you can connect in a really deep, nonverbal way. We did this brain scan of people doing orgasmic meditation, and they found that within six minutes of starting the practice, their brain waves looked very similar between the stroker and the strokey. The stroker being the one that's stroking the clitoris, the strokey being the one that's receiving the touch. So they had the same brainwave patterns after six minutes, Wow! which means that if you're looking for connection and intimacy, especially body to body, nonverbal, this is one of the best ways I know how to drop into that. I mean, this is really interesting because this is where the sticky situation of the one taste, and I do put it in quotation marks, the, the cult comes into it because as a partnered practice, what we saw on Orgasm Inc. was that people were doing it with lots of other people. It wasn't people that they were in a relationship with. It was people that were in a commune kind of a setup. Or at one point, it was investors were watching. <laughs> so when you you say it's a partnered practice, is it always with someone that you're in a relationship with? Or did you have the experience of where it was like more within a, a communal living situation? As with any sexuality technique, I think you can use it in any context that fits your lifestyle. Mm. So a lot of the people that I teach it to now are in relationship. They've been married for years or decades, mm. and they only own with their partner. I'm also married. I now only own with my husband. But when I started owning, I was single, actually. And I knew how profound it was for me to stay connected with my sexuality. Like I felt most myself and most alive mm. when I was having sex. But I didn't want to have one night stands and I didn't want another boyfriend immediately. So I was like, how do I stay connected to my sex and my vulnerability without that? And OM was a really powerful way for me to do that. And so a lot of my journey was OMing with many different people and exploring what is it like to OM with this person and what is it like to OM and have that just be a practice where I don't have to go on a date with them. I don't have to make out with them. Like it's just a practice we do together. Mm. And I know that's really radical, right? Because it's such a vulnerable thing. Yeah. But I think this, this set container helps me feel safe enough to own with a variety of people. I think that's something that a lot of people jump to the conclusion uh, that they they don't think about, that it is a safe container. Like when you say, oh, it's one taste and it was a, not you, but like when people are saying, oh, it's a cult, but it's a container. So people were signing up. They knew what was what they were doing and what they were signing up for. It wasn't like, oh, suddenly, 
your legs are open and you're on a table and off you go. Totally. Totally. <laughs> it was it was one of the selling points. So the clue was yeah. in the name. What was it like the first time you tried it though, when it was in that safe zone where it was just, you know, you knew that you were lying back and it was someone you didn't know. And you, what was that first time like? Gosh, it was so wild. I I went to an event and I knew I wanted to learn how to own, but I was single. So I had met this guy like the weekend before and I was in San Francisco, pretty open-minded, hippie lifestyle. And I said, hey, do you want to learn this practice with me? Orgasmic meditation. And we had never hooked up or anything. I hadn't had sex. And he said, okay, I guess so. I was going to do mushrooms in the forest, but I guess I'll learn this practice instead. And so he came with me and we did this alm and it had very, first we learned the steps, you know, it's 15 minutes. This is what you do. You safe port, you notice the genitals. You, sorry, what, what was, what were the steps? You safe port. Those are, so those are all words, but the bit steps basically are you lay out the space that they call the nest. Oh, okay. You get into the position and then the stroker puts his hands on the strokey's thighs and you get, you take a few breaths together and then the stroker says something he sees in the strokey's genitals. He or she sees in the genitals and in a value neutral way. So like I see pink here or I see like a um, cream tone here or a freckle on your left labia. And there's reasons for all these steps. One of the reasons for that one is so many women have never had their genitals looked at in a value neutral way. It's only been like in a lustful way or maybe a judgmental way, but they've never just been seen as they are. Yeah. So that's one of the steps. And then you um, put gloves on and that's part of the practice is to wear gloves and then you put lube on and then you start stroking the clitoris. So basically those are the steps. I actually encourage anyone listening to actually download the guide and learn how to own if you want to. There's a guide on, there's an app, the orgasmic meditation app. Make sure you grab the app and like go through the steps. Don't just listen to this podcast because I'm not going in depth enough. So back to my first home. We learn these steps and then it's time. And so I'm laying down and I'm going to butterfly my legs open. And this next to someone who I barely know. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, I feel so vulnerable. I, you know, we're sober. It's bright daylight. And this almost stranger is looking at my pussy. <laughs> but then once I dropped into the ohm, it had this amazing feeling like surfing waves. Like I felt so present and with my breath, like more present than I had ever felt meditating and surfing waves. And then I remember afterwards just feeling so relaxed and open and lit up. And I think my partner, on the other hand, was a little bit freaked out because <laughs> I actually never saw him again. <laughs> I think he was like, wow, that was way too vulnerable. I'm out. But yeah, that was my first own. And then from there, I've owned with other people. But yeah, I'll never forget that first time. And so you you kept coming back. You signed up to One Taste. What was your One Taste journey? Yeah. So from there, I started um, oming. In those days, we had group ohms, which is pretty radical. You picture a room of people doing this practice together. It was amazing, though. It was so so um, taboo and edgy to be around other people oming. But like, I learned so much about myself and about pussies too, and just like seeing all kinds of different women's bodies and shapes and sizes and different ages and. Yeah, so I kept oming. I did the group alms, and then I did their coaching program. So 
I, it was their six month coaching program that completely changed my life. Um, and then I did many intensives from there and I ended up spending four years doing tons of intensives, live, living in the staff houses and just going deep down the rabbit hole of orgasmic meditation. How many times do you do orgasmic meditation? Like when you started, how many times did you do it? Did you do it once a day? Did you do it several times a day? What was it? And has it tapered off? What are the timings on it? What's your on meditation <laughs> schedule? Well, I would say I love doing it once a day. It would be like my ideal. There were different points in my journey when I really wanted to study the practice and to go deep into it. And so sometimes I would do the practices four or five or six times a day. And each time kind of like with a researcher's mind, like what did I discover in that practice? But in general, I would say I did it once a day, every day. Now my life is different. My partner likes oming, but I don't think he's like as obsessed with it as I am. <laughs> so we do it maybe once a week. I also have a little baby, so that makes it harder. But yeah, once a week or so. So this is what I'm talking about with the privilege of giving yourself 15 minutes when you've got a baby. It takes a lot out of you to put that time aside. But I'm so interested in when you were saying how you were coming at it from a research point of view. What kind of things were you researching and looking into? Oh, all kinds of things. I remember one ohm, we were talking about personal responsibility, right? So the best ohms, best are when both people are fully present in the moment, paying attention to the sensations, right? The stroker's paying attention to their fingers, stroking the clitoris. The strokey's paying attention to their clitoris. One of the ohms we did was personal responsibility ohm about like, even if your partner is checked out, can you still be present and enjoying yourself? And so we would take turns, like the stroker would deliberately check out and think about something else. And as the strokey, I would have to practice feeling the pleasure even though my partner is checked out and then we would switch so I would check out and he would practice still keeping his attention on the finger and what's happening mm. and what I found is that our attentions are synced up that it was really hard to check out if my stroker was totally present and vice versa and I think that that home taught me a lot about like my if I'm present and in the moment I can magnetize someone's attention to come back to me so that's just one example of a research ohm. You know, we've done ohms where there's no climax. And so anytime I felt like I was near a climax, we had to slow down and only do down strokes and bring the tempo back down and play with, you know, going close to the edge and back down and close to the edge and back down. I want to hear, like, what, what did you learn from that? So what, what was the benefit of not climaxing? No, I actually found so much benefit in that practice in particular. I did um, a week, no climax. So oming every day. So cultivating sexual energy, but no climax. Mm. And what I discovered in that is that I was using climax unconsciously to relieve stress. I was, you know, and I think a lot of people do this. They're like, oh, I'm stressed. I just need to climax. Or I'm feeling a lot of uncomfortable emotions. Let me just like climax, right? And so I noticed when I wouldn't climax, I became like, I, I was turning to face all the things that I was trying to avoid all the emotions, the stress, the discomforts. So I felt much more sensitive and uncomfortable, but it was really powerful to just notice like what happens when I take climax off the table? Mm. Like what are all the things that come up inside of me? Another thing I researched that I thought was really interesting was sound. So in Ohm, there's no prescription, right? To be quiet, to be loud. Some people are loud. Some people are silent. Some people like 
just to have breathy moans. So I practiced no sound for a while, just no sound, no feedback, because one of my tendencies in sex was to, you know, make sexy sounds and faces and move my bodies in ways that let my partner knew that they were doing a great job. So what did it look like to just lay there like a dead fish and receive the touch? (laughs) And I actually found that my sensations were so much deeper when I wasn't vocalizing or performing in any way. Mm. Like I felt like I could go inside of myself and my experience in a much deeper way. Mm. And then other times I practiced being really loud and expressive and felt like, oh, the self-consciousness of that and how it kind of did free up my expression. And so there's no right and wrong, both research. Yeah. And how did the stroker feel? Did they go with you on it like when you you know like you're obviously sort of saying all right this is the time when I'm just going to be totally silent or I'm going to go absolutely over the top with it did they do the same like as if they're stroking and then they're like oh my god I'm stroking you and this is amazing or were they (laughs) did they did they just have one job and that was it they've just got a concentrate on the finger <laughs> well, the stroker, great question. The stroker in general doesn't say anything unless they're asking, like, would you like faster, slower, asking for an adjustment is what it's called. Ah. So they're not saying like, oh, you're so sexy. You look great. Yeah. They're just, they're just a silent observer <laughs> and bringing their attention. This sounds perfect for me. I'm loving this. <laughs> You're a silent observer. Just get on. You've got one job. Just get on with it. (laughs) I'm not sure I'd be very good at it, though, because I just I would just lie back and let them crack on with it. There's no I need to get the safe zone, don't I? I need to work out how to put them into a safe zone rather than a hostage situation. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) So how do you use all these things in your work now because you're an intimacy in a relationship expert and do you find that your clients come to you and you start saying orgasmic meditation do they go uh no or are they or are they into it they're really intrigued actually they really want to know about it so one of the things my husband and I specialize in helping committed couples keep the spark alive for the long term and so often their sex is pretty good, but they want to take it deeper and they're not sure how to. Mm. And a lot of the people we work with already do like meditation and yoga and personal growth. And so this seems like kind of a natural extension for them of like, oh, I can bring what I love about mindfulness and into my sex and learn something new with my partner. I've also found that this, so we teach it on our retreats and I found that it's really useful for couples when they there's a lot of extra in their sex. Like, you know, maybe she feels a lot of pressure to be more turned on and he feels like, why aren't we having more sex? Or they feel like, yeah. So those are just a couple of the spots and they just don't feel that connected. Mm. And so OM is something that kind of takes away all those layers of what sex is and how often we should have sex and what it looks like. and strips down to like basics of bringing your attention to a point of connection. Oh, I love that. From there, you can add on all the other fun things, right? You can bring toys and positions and role play and fantasies, but OM is kind of like the foundation of like, can you stay connected? Can you keep your attention on each other 
as the erotic energy arises. Uh, so is it like a beginner's move, like at the beginning of the retreat and you say, we're going to start with OM and then we're going to move on to other things? Or is it more an, an advanced level? It is both. So it's <laughs> it's something you can do at the beginner level. But like me, I went deep into OM. Like I am, obs- I am as obsessed. No, I am probably 10 times more obsessed with OM now than I was in the beginning. And I learned OM almost a decade ago. Wow. Because there's so much more to uncover. Mm. There's all the spots on the clitoris. There's trying upstrokes versus downstrokes. There's sound. There's no sound. There's you know, where you put your attention. It's just this like never ending unfolding. And I think the power of almost, we often look at our sex from a, in terms of breath. So how many positions are you doing? How many different places in your house have you had sex? How many different role plays have you experienced? Right. And those are amazing. That's the horizontal access of breath. So you have more diversity, more um, extras. Mm. Almost a vertical practice. So a vertical practice is when you deepen your attention and your presence and almost spirituality, if you will, into your sex. And so I find a lot of couples are come to our retreats expecting more breath, like, hey, try these new things. And we invite them into depth. Ah. Now, okay, so say I've turned up, I've come with my partner and you're explaining how you want to give us a bit more depth in our intimacy in our relationship where do you start with saying orgasmic meditation and here are your top three benefits let's say into how you get more depth in our relationship through orgasmic meditation oh great question top three benefits I think the first one is creating a sense of safety in their sex life And so you create the sense of safety by having the structured steps of the practice, right? You know what to expect. If you ask for an ohm, you know exactly what will happen. And that creates an invitation couples can say yes to. Mm. So if they're feeling like it's hard to find time for sex or one person always initiates and the other one rejects them, it can feel scary and unsafe to ask your partner to explore sexually. Mm. But OM is like, okay, it's just 15 minutes set structure. It's an easier thing to say yes to. So that's the first one, create some safety. Brilliant, love that. Um, and that's through the container is what it's called. Those are the set, the set rules are called the container. Um, the set one, I think, is the principle of just noticing your partner as they are. So, so often in our sex, we're trying to like be something, right? Like be sexy, be turned on. Be the mailman that just knocked on the door. Get to climax really quickly. Like you're trying to go somewhere in your sex life. And that can create kind of this like push, force, do energy. And OM is an invitation to drop all that and just be together as you are in your vulnerability in this moment, whatever is happening. So sometimes you'll OM and it'll be pleasurable. Sometimes you'll cry. Sometimes you'll be disconnected. But it's all just being together. Mm. And then I think the third one is it really trains a couple. I'll just speak from a heterosexual perspective. It trains a couple on how to drop into polarity. So the woman, the strokey, she's spending 15 minutes feeling her body, her body sensations. She's noticing like, ooh, I feel tingling in my toes. I feel, you know, electric in my feet. She's just paying attention to her body. And that's a deeply feminine practice. Her partner is 
practicing the masculine pull of putting his attention outside of himself and his world and onto someone else and to really see and notice them and witness and be the observer. And so those two skills, the, the witness, the tension outside of you and the feeler that creates a difference. Mm. And that is creates polarity um, of masculine feminine energy, which can create attraction. I, I think this is so, it's so interesting because I don't think we, we really think about the big feminine energy that comes from this. You know, a lot of the times when it comes to someone, you know, pleasuring a woman, when it comes to a man pleasuring a woman by using the clitoris, by, you know, rubbing the clitoris, sometimes it can be, oh, because he he enjoys giving her pleasure and that's why it's a good thing. And we can get so wound up into the masculine rather than the, the feminine. So I was, I really wanted to to also chat to you about the powerful feminine and the, the, the big mistress energy, I think you call it. Does that come into it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yes. I think, you know, we have to put it in context. We live in a very masculine world. Yeah. Right. The patriarchy is a, it's a huge thing still. Yeah. And it means that so much of the way we look at our bodies and our sex is from a masculine lens. Yeah. So just the example you said in the beginning of like, okay, how do I get to climax? That's a very goal oriented masculine way to look at sex. Yeah. And for, or for a woman, it's like, how do I be what he wants me to be is a really common tendency or I'll just do it for him or I'll give him a blowjob. Or even if I'm enjoying myself, I want to make sure he knows how much I'm enjoying myself, right? So much of the attention can be stuck on him. Yeah. And Ohm's a real invitation for her to come back to like her sensations and her pleasure and how she feels and like what's lighting her up. And ironically, that's the exact thing that he wants as well. Mm. And that's the mistress energy of like, a wife, right, is in service to her husband. Traditionally, 1950s role. She's in service to him. How do I please you? How do... The mistress is like, what's turning me on right now? What's feeling so good to me? And that's magnetic. That's a woman that, because she's rooted in herself. How do we get there? If we're doing our orgasmic meditation, the appropriate times of day that we want to and we feel good about, <laughs> how else can we help big up our big mistress energy? Well, first one is come on my retreat. It's going to be amazing. It's called Magnetic for Women. But I think a couple things. So one is just coming back to the rebellious question of what is my body asking for today? What am I craving? What do I really want? And repeatedly asking yourself that and trusting it. So that's a huge one. And because I think sometimes we think, oh, I want, you know, I want a mocha frappuccino or I want this thing. Or, but we don't ask, like, what am I craving? Like, what is the deep, what are my deeper body longings? Hmm. First one. And then the second one is to be around other women that are living lives that turn them on and light them up. That's probably the best one I know is like friends, sister circles, goddess groups, like, being around women that are just, you can tell when you're around a woman who is lit from the inside, right? Like you can just see, like she's shining, she's radiant yeah, and it's contagious. That's the best part. <laughs> so if you're around her, you get a little bit of that too. It's like her fire lights the fire in you. So those are my two things, focusing on what you want and being around women who are radiant and contagious. I think that's a really, because I, 
<laughs> I often find like with a lot of women who I really get on with and it's just it's just us we're just present and we're talking about each other and then the ones where they're just like they have to talk about their boyfriend or their partner or their you know their other half all the time and it's just like oh but come on let's talk about you I want your energy I want your radiance and I think it's we we just don't give ourselves the acknowledgement that we have that energy and that we we are deserving of being around someone else without having to talk about the other half all the time I Mm -hmm. that's just that's just my rant at 10 o'clock in the morning sorry (laughs) no I'm with you I'm with you I think so much of women were conditioned right don't be selfish keep your attention on your kids your husband your friend you know other people yeah. And I, I went through that so much. My biggest fear is like, oh, I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be a narcissist, you know? But what I learned is like, I actually need a dose of narcissism and selfishness. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Is that something that you have to remind yourself? Is Because you're you're a mum now, you're, you've got a successful business. What are the things that you uh, that you find help you keep you grounded within your own practice? Oh, great question. Um, well, a few things. One is I have a coach. I have a coach that, and that helps me a lot. She just holds me accountable. Like, okay, have you done your own pleasure practice? Right now I have a daily pleasure, solo pleasure practice I'm doing. So that's one. Um, and that helps me. That's really helpful because it helps me not only think my pleasure is for or with my husband, which is like what my conditioning would have me believe, right? Yeah. Um, And the other one is like, it's hard. It's especially hard in motherhood. Like right now I love doing art and I realize I don't think I've done art since my baby has been born. So I need to get some art scheduled in my calendar, but all those voices come up of like, don't be selfish. You know, you should spend that time with your daughter. So I'll say it's, it's an ongoing thing. And you know, She's going to be around for ages. They they don't go away. <laughs> They're just going to hang around. It's true. It's <laughs> a good perspective. <laughs> so tell me about your retreats. What are your retreats like in the lovely Bali? Yes, they're in Bali. So I do couples retreats with my husband um, called Epic Intimacy. And it's all around helping couples that are already good and have a solid foundation of love and trust get to the next level in terms of passion and um, excitement and aliveness in their relationship. Yeah, we spend four days diving deep into masculine feminine dynamics, sacred sexuality, orgasmic meditation. That's the couple's retreat. We have one actually in two weeks on Valentine's Day and then one in July. And then my women's retreat, this is actually my first women's retreat I have done since my baby has been born. Um, But this one's all around becoming magnetic. So really like opening our bodies to pleasure and desire and our emotions and becoming an open body invitation to the things we want. So whether that's more money or a lover or um, to feel like more of a leader in our life, that's the place to do it and to get filled up with juiciness and sisterhood and all that. What kind of things do you do you do on the retreats? I mean, I'm assuming it's not all going to be like, you know, butterfly your legs open every day. Like what kind of, <laughs> if, you, if you're not feeling quite so comfortable, can you go and, yeah. and, and just enjoy and just enjoy the food and the scenery? Totally, totally. All the practices are done in their bedroom. Oh, so good. we don't do any nudity, any, I know people are often like, oh my God, what happens on a couple's retreat? 
it's very PG rated in the classroom. And then you get sexy assignments to do in the privacy of your bedroom. Very nice. But we do, you know, we have ecstatic dance. We do coaching. I help women see themselves in a deeper way. I work with couples to untangle what knots are existing in their sex life. Hmm. You know, maybe someone comes quickly and the other one gets their feelings hurt, right? So we untangle that. Um, We teach them skills of how to seduce and to play with each other. Teach them how to view sexuality as this uh, playground or laboratory that they can explore together. And with my women, we teach how to express your emotions, how to feel your emotions. We talk about the shadow, looking at the parts of you you don't want to be and how much power lies there. We explore feminine leadership. So really like what is your body craving and calling for and how is that the thing you're meant to bring to the world and the message you're here to lead? Oh, that sounds lovely. Oh, that sounds just what I need. I really want to go just somewhere lovely and spend it with women just having a really nice time and figuring out how to take over the world I think that's what we need right now yes it's it's not gone well so far so maybe just it's time to give us a chance (laughs) where if people want to find more where can they find you Megan yeah you can find me on Instagram Megan D Lambert or you can find me on my website MeganDLambert.com Or um, if you're looking for couples work, it's integratedintimacy.co. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining me, Megan Lambert. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My thanks to Megan Lambert there. I really enjoyed hearing about the nuance behind orgasmic meditation because I watched orgasming and it was all put under a bit of a murky light, let's be honest. But actually what Megan's talking about is the practice of orgasmic meditation itself is something that we can all really, really benefit from. And I really like the idea of just setting up a safe space And just lying back and having that 15 minutes to myself where there's, I don't have to worry about reciprocation. I don't have to worry about performing to anyone. It's just, it's just about me, babes. And at the end of the day, isn't that all that matters? (laughs) Well, enough about me. Let's see what you've been getting up to in my fun bags. Once again, I have delved into the fun bags for your saucy stories, your dating dilemmas and whatever else you want to throw at Auntie Miranda. Uh, So a little anonymous, my Insta stories, they said they loved hearing about the big footmaster, talk about foot fetishes. And can we have more out there fetishes, please? Oh, my God, I would love to. I am always looking for contributors. If you've got a fetish or if you know how to practice one, say and you want to tell the world about it, then please get in contact. You can remain anonymous or we can shout about you to the rooftops. We can tell everyone about your website or your only flat, your only flans, <laughs> your only fans. <laughs> only flans is a, that really is a, a very niche, but very grateful fetish market. Uh, Rachel on Instagram, she says, do you think star signs have anything to do with finding love? Rachel, that is a very good question. I don't think that star signs actually dictate what happens to you in the world, but 
I also know that I am very much a Cancerian person. <laughs> I, I am the real definition of a Cancerian. Very squidgy on the inside, very hard on the outside. Uh, so what I might do is see if I can get someone in to give me a bit of guidance when it comes to looking through love through star signs. What do you think? Stay tuned for that one. And Claire has emailed in and she's asked, can you speak to someone about bisexuality? As a bisexual person myself, I often feel like we're the hidden bee in LGBTQ. That is a great shout, Claire. I love that. Yes, I am absolutely going to get someone in to talk about bisexuality. We have got the fabulous Lewis Oakley, who is a co-presenter on Bisexual Brunch. He's coming on the show next week to tell me all about it and to find out exactly how we can support you and keep the bees alive. So if you've got any questions for him or if you've got any tales you want to tell about your own bisexual awakenings or adventures, then you know what to do. You can slide into my DMs. Just look out for Miranda Kane on Instagram. TikTok and Twitter and you can look in my Instagram stories you can pose your own questions and dilemmas there or email smutdrop at metro.co.uk I've been Miranda Kane Smutdrop was produced by Pineapple Audio Production for metro.co.uk If you're enjoying this weekly sprouting of a pineapple plant that tells you whether you're a swinger or not then please leave me a nice review In the meantime I'm going to be back to prick up your ears next week and remember don't do anything I wouldn't do but if you do then name it after me